Money Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am well. You know, I am fresh back from my trip to uh, Massachusetts, the the Boston metropolitan area. And how did that go? It was great. I got I got to hear people say, "Get in the car. Get in the car. Get in the goddamn car." Craw. Get in the craw. Get in the craw. Get in the craw. I also heard people talk about their rubbish and their rubbish bin. Uh, okay. Okay. And uh, yeah, we don't have that here in Texas. We have garbage and a garbage can. Garbage. Yeah, put it in the rubbish tin. Rubbish bin. I'm sorry. Put it in the rubbish bin. <laughs> you know, uh, things like that. We went to Salem, which is a town right up your alley, Paul. I uh, have always wanted to go to Salem. Now, don't get me wrong. Huge tourist trap. Um, but it was, it was fun. Um, you know, I would imagine, especially this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, we were in, you know, uh, Massachusetts in October and I was like, we have to go to Salem, uh, because I mean, they, they just really do it up big. I mean, it was like street festival all across the entire downtown area there in Salem. Um, but it was neat. I, you know, in fact, went into this one, um, witch's shop. It was called Hex, I believe. And I'd been in, you know, witches' stores before, uh, you know, ho- Hocus Pocus stores, that kind of thing. Um, this one was a lot more satanic than I was emotionally prepared for. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, uh, I walked out of there, you know, going, yeah, I think this is much more Paul's scene than mine. <laughs> you know, it, Wait, why am I satanic? Well, no, because you, you, you really like the horror stuff. And, well, true. Uh, and I mean, they had, they had uh, a guy there doing uh, readings, and he was just very, very goth in in his in his demeanor. Um, you know, he, he looked like a fella that you'd see in one of those you know S and M stories on HBO's Real Sex, right? And just just really, you know, sort of uh, you know hairless and <laughs> and tattooed. Um, so you were worried you were going to get wrapped into an eight millimeter movie. That's right. And, but the rest of the store, I mean, like there was a, a a real human skull there that they had, you know, sort of arranged on an altar, uh, and people could leave little notes to the dead. Um, it was weird. Uh, they had uh, handcrafted Ouija boards and all these, you know, potions and unguents and many, many uh, sort of wall icons to, you know, uh, to, to Satan. I mean, it was just it was a little more dark than than uh, I was emotionally prepared for. But that is not the manner in which all of Salem is. You know, a lot of it's like, you know, hey, wasn't it fun that we persecuted witches back in the 17th century? Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, lots of witches' hats on sales and broomsticks and that kind of thing. It was it was really it, it was it was really sort of a nice New England creepy sort of vibe. Hmm. Well, I mean, I've, I have definitely wanted been wanting to go. I've never actually been to the Boston area. Yeah. Um, at least not in my adult life. I don't recall if I had as when I was a wee Paul. Um, I certainly don't remember ever having gone in that area. So well, I would love to go there. Well, Boston's great. Uh, you know, there's, there's, Cry. yeah, you, have get, you gotta get in the cry, you know, wicked smart. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, what, what, one of the things I marvel at is that on every other street, there's a bakery 
and on the opposite streets, there's a donut shop. I mean, this is the land of my people, Paul. Uh, it, it really is. <laughs> I, mean, I, I like donuts. Yeah, they love their Dunkin' Donuts up there in Boston. They do love them some Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, I mean, just it was all over the place. But I, but I think the thing that that I enjoyed the most while we were there is we went whale watching out on the Stellwagen Bank, and I mean, there must have been like twenty whales jumping and leaping out of the water, Paul. It was crazy. I mean, I was like, we're gonna see a whale. You know, where's the a whale, you know, and it'll be, it'll be diving as we come up. But I mean, these guys, these were like, they were doing a sea world show. Huh. There, there were whales all over the place. It was crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and what was great is, you know, you've got the naturalist who's narrating the experience and explaining to you what you see. And so, you know, he's talking about what the different flips, what they think the different flips mean and what the, what the whales are trying to accomplish. And the, in the Stellwagen banks, you know, it's kind of their, like their feeding ground this time of year. Well, all of a sudden, the the <laughs> one of the whales dives, and then rising up to the top of the water is this pool of just nasty brown green. And he's like, "Oh, and as you can see, the whale has pooped, and um, the the poop is important because it introduces nitrates back into the sea." And yeah, and he's just narrating, and I'm just kind of imagining this is kind of like somebody, you know, after my brother farts, saying, "Oh, and you can tell." He's been eating potato chips because it's got that certain tang, and that's important <laughs> because it introduces you know carbon monoxide back into the air. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I you know other than just being thoroughly grossed out by the whale poop. I mean, and it was it was massive, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a lot of poop. It was a lot of poop. It was a lot of poop, but the whales. I mean, I, I have a dog, and my dog has a lot of poop. Yeah, but so you, you can know, just imagine, right? I can just imagine if you multiply my dog by like three thousand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a lot of poop. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, good trip. It was a good trip. Yeah. So well, I had a a pretty good fifteen minutes of my day yesterday. <laughs> so uh, of the twenty four hour period, fifteen minutes of it were pretty good. Yeah, fifteen minutes of it were pretty great, actually. How'd that happen? Well, in 15 minutes is a bit of an exaggeration, really, because it didn't take that long. But <laughs> uh, so I walk up to my house and there's a gigantic box in front of my front door. And I'm like, and Jen what had it? packed up your shit and said, <laughs> GTFO. Is that what that GTFO. was? GTFO. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, but for me, I thought it was uh, I, th- I was like, what does she order? And th- and then I saw the name on the box and it was my name. And I'm like, oh, what did I order? Oh. <laughs> Well, I opened the box and I, you know, because it says Diamond Comics Distributors on the side. So, you know, I was like, what did I order from Diamond? And uh, so I opened the box and there's a little card inside of it, that a handwritten card, I should I should note. Um, you know, it, it said uh, seven days. No. Um, so I opened it up and it says, Paul, thank you for participating in our social media giveaway. We hope you enjoy your Justice League figure, hat, and t-shirt. All the best to you, AMC Theater's social media team. Now, about a week ago, AMC had a, like a little trivia thing. I mean, literally like one question. Hey, who's standing next to Wonder Woman in this picture? <laughs> and I was like, uh, Batman or Aquaman and Cyborg, something like that. Right. And um, so I responded back, and they're like, "Congrats, you won." I'm like, "Oh, oh, okay. Like, what did I win?" And they're like, "We're gonna send you a a, a Justice League prize pack." And I assumed it was probably like a, some swag, you know, like a bumper sticker, a right. T-shirt, that kind of thing. So the T-shirt is very nice. I should clarify. You know, the T-shirt is like it's got. I mean, it's it's a bit of it's a bit girly. 
Um, it, that it says "Unite the League" in big shiny silver letters on the front. Gurley is right up your alley because you know you are the girliest of those on the podcast. I am, I am, and I am wearing the shirt just to of just clarify. You are. And you're wearing it as a belly shirt, right? <laughs> of course, I rolled it up. <laughs> um, it comes with a, a nice gray Justice League hat that has the logo on the front and says "All In" on the back. Um, I hope no one takes that the wrong way. And <laughs> Paul, there, Paul, there's only one way you can take that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it is on the back of the hat. Um, <laughs> and um, there was a giant DC Collectibles Justice League cyborg statue oh, wow. in the thing. So they, they said Justice League figure. It was a statue, a DC Collectibles Justice League statue um, worth $150. Uh, I, I looked it up online. So, I mean, ultimately about a $200 prize pack for basically just tweeting Aquaman and Cyborg. Um, now, I, I, I think it's awesome. Um, the, the DC collectible statue is of great quality. But I got to say. But it's Cyborg. Not to, it's Cyborg. <laughs> like, Jen looked at She's like, are you going to sell the statue? I'm like, why? It's, it's a Justice League statue. I mean, it, it can go with my Justice League stuff. And she says, it's Cyborg. And this is Jen who knows nothing about right. the Justice. Right. It's Cyborg yeah, was her response. She's heard you bag on Cyborg for a couple of years now. and <laughs> yeah. Wow. So uh, I, I, I am going to keep it. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a very a very nice. Uh, I mean, does anyone even like cyborg? Like, if I throw it on there, it's not like it's going to sell, right? Um, but yeah, it's still very cool. I love the hat, you know, t shirt. It's it's a it's a cool prize pack, and so I'm glad I want it. That's great. That's great. Well, it's nice to see that. It's nice to see. It's nice to see that somebody actually wins those things. Yeah, right. Because I mean, I retweet Funko shit every day, and I haven't right. won a damn thing in forever. So I, I am I am glad to have won. At least the thing I won wasn't like. Hey, you won, you know, the My Little Pony prize pack. You know, it's actually Justice League. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So in other news, we're actually going to talk about some Marvel this week. You're, that's crazy talk. It is It is. I um, I went and picked up my Spider-Man Homecoming Blu-ray steelbook the other day. Oh, I'm yeah. excited to get into that. Yeah. Well, when, and when I got back from Baston, uh, <laughs> I had my copy of Spider-Man Homecoming waiting for me here at the house, and I uh, watched it last night. I had not seen it in the theater, so this was my first viewing. I liked this movie a lot. I liked this movie a whole lot. Uh, I don't. I don't recall what you thought of it, Paul, because uh, you know uh, when you and the guys were talking about it, I took my headset off. Uh, what did you think of the movie? I liked it quite a bit, actually. Um, I didn't love it. Uh, I, I do think it is better than. Um is it the best Spider-Man film? No. I mean, I, I genuinely enjoyed Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire, even though I haven't seen it since you know it first came out. So it may not hold up on uh, repeat viewings. Um, but uh, And I enjoyed the first Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. I thought yeah. that was well done. Uh, not perfect. But I, I would say this is probably on par with that one. I, I, I liked it a great deal. And I, and I think the, the things that I liked about it were the lessons they learned from previous Spider-Man movies. Because I don't think you can have this movie without having made all those other Spider-Man movies. Um, I The things that I liked about number one was that, you know, Spider-Man's 15 years old. Um, and I think that really works for the character on the film. Um, I liked that uh, he's just figuring stuff out. Uh, and I thought that the absence of Spider-Sense was going to bother me. It did not. 
Um, I think it made some things happen uh, in in the movie that you would have had had a hard time making happen with the introduction of Spider Sense. Um, I, I really like how he's just at a loss at a lot of times with, with how to handle a situation, and he's just you know he's going by instinct and just trying to do the right thing. And I think one of my favorite moments in the film is when he is trapped under all the rubble and he's screaming and crying because. That's absolutely what you would do, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and you, you don't see other more mature heroes do that. But, you know, this is just a kid. Right. And, you know, he comes to his moment of realization, realization on how to handle this situation. But it was nice to see such an earnest struggle. Uh, I, I, I thought this was, was a very entertaining movie. And I in particularly in particularly enjoyed um uh, sort of, you know, the, the sort of Ferris Bueller's Day Off feel to it and the fact that they actually own that in the middle of the movie. Yeah, uh, I think that was very intentional. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, for me, I think one of the, I don't want to say issues, but one of the qualms I had with it was also one of its benefits, which is the guy who played, they got to play Spider-Man, whose name escapes me right now. Uh, uh, fuck, Paul. I had that a moment ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, while Aaron looks that up, this actor, you know, very slender, very athletic build um you know tall or short thin and you know that works great until it doesn't um that very same scene where he's trapped under the rubble and you know he he's overwhelmed at first but then he overcomes it and lifts the rubble over his head in that in that you know homage to that classic spider-man cover when he's lifting the stuff over his head i'm like i i don't buy it I do not buy it. And I understand he has super strength, but I don't buy it. Like the kid doesn't even have muscles. Like I just it, like that moment that they want to sell that emotional overcoming of that, that scene for me, I was like, ah, I just don't buy it. Um, but I will say, you know, who, who I really liked in it was uh, Michael Keaton, but I like that guy and everything. Oh my God. He was great. And and that's an, something else that really works for this movie because I don't think that the villains really work in the early in the other Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. The villain absolutely worked here. Yeah. In the earlier Spider-Man movies, I don't think those villains work very well. And every time that those villains were on the screen, for the most part, I'm like, come on, let's get back to Spider-Man. I didn't begrudge Keaton any of his screen time because every time he was on the screen, the screen lit up. I mean, he was ever bit as much compelling and as interesting and had terrific motivation. And so many times these bad guys in Marvel films have crappy motivations. I understood everything that he was doing. You know, I, I completely got it and was absolutely surprised by the turn that he was uh, Liz's father. I did not see that coming in. The I, neither did I. Yeah. I and mean, I was like, holy, when he answers the door, I'm like, holy crap. And I mean, again... Uh, Peter Parker is feeling exactly what I would feel in, the, in that moment. He's just like, holy shit, what do I do here? Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was good stuff, Paul. It really was. I enjoyed it. And, um, you know, since we're, we're, we're on the Marvel subject, um, it was announced this week that, uh, you know, they, they had originally intended Marvel Studios and Netflix had originally intended on stealth releasing The Punisher. It was going to be announced at San Diego Comic-Con that it was going to release, I believe, Friday, October 13th. Then, unfortunately, the events of um, Las Vegas happened and they delayed the show. Uh, but they announced this week that November 17th is the release date of The Punisher uh, on Netflix. So um, if that date sounds familiar to you, that is the date that Justice League is out in theaters. 
Now, you know, I'm reading articles that Marvel reignites the uh, the DC Marvel rivalry. And I would like to remind everyone that Daredevil season two released on the same day as Batman versus Superman. So it's not a new thing. Um, if anything, I think what they're trying to do is take advantage of all those people who are taking the day off to see Justice League anyway and then binge watch, you know, their shows. Right. Uh, I don't think it's a rivalry thing. I think it's a prime opportunity because they know people will be thinking comic books and in the mood for more stuff like that that day. But I am very excited about The Punisher. I think that looks like a great show. It does look good. And I feel bad for Marvel and Netflix because there's just not a good time to release that thing. There's really not. With the prevalence of gun violence, particularly over the last, you know, 18 months – uh, I, I just think it's always going to be rough releasing something like that. And I think the distinction that they need to make in the press is that, you know, this, he, this isn't a guy who's just out there randomly shooting people. This is a guy who is, uh, taking care of business. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. And, I'm, and I'm sure that those distinctions aren't felt much. It's just the, the horror of gun violence. But, you know, this is, this is a Charles Bronson you know, inspired take on a superhero, right? I mean, it's, this is, this is death wish in the Marvel universe, cinematic universe. It is. And I think what, you know, what I'm, and this is a total assumption, but what I'm thinking quite frankly is what happened is perhaps there's an episode centered around a sniper or some type of mass shooter that Punisher has to take down. Um, because I would imagine that Marvel is, uh, you know, I'd imagine that the company would, even the general public would be sensitive enough to know that a hero with guns isn't necessarily going to you know, make me think about Las Vegas. But if there's an episode around that type of subject matter, perhaps um, that's why they did it. You know, I, I do wonder, for example, it, while we are recording this on Friday, October 20th, which is you know, uh, a bit different for us, but um, my availability is a bit spotty this weekend. But uh, today they released Geostorm. Uh, that that uh, oh, new yeah. the new disaster uh, porn movie. the new disaster film in theaters yeah. and you know I've I've got to wonder how is that going to do given how horrible this hurricane season has been yeah um you know and the fire still out in California you know are, are people going to want to see that kind of stuff well you know you don't have to worry about offending anybody in Puerto Rico Paul because nobody has electricity down there there is that it's <laughs> only if they can see the movie yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah no I I, I there are are some of these films, you know, and you got to keep in mind these films are made, you know, two, three years before these events occur. Uh, you know, it, it, it feels a little insensitive, but what the hell else are you going to do? You know, you've made your, your $200 million film. You know, you can't just let it sit there and you've, you've carved that date out for so long in advance. You know, it reminds me, I mean, in a, in a, in a lot of respects, when people wanted the title changed to the second Lord of the Rings film, The Two Towers, because they thought it was insensitive to the September 11th uh, terror attack. And I'm like, come on, <laughs> you know, yeah, c- come on. I mean, that book has been around for decades. I think we can call it The Two Towers. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there, there was a big movement around that. It, it never got anywhere, thank God. No. But, you know, the, uh, I, you know, I don't think that, you know, uh, you know, the white keep and, and storming, uh, you know, the, the gates of Mordor, you know, was insensitive to the uh, people that we lost on September 11th. I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I think it's a delicate balance between how far is too far versus not far enough. Right. And so I think that's, you know, it, it, I, I don't envy anyone in the position of doing, of releasing a film called the two towers 
uh, around the same time as something happening to the Twin Towers, right. or you know, releasing a a, mo- a a television show about a gun-toting superhero right after um, you know a, a gun-toting uh, gentleman, or actually, I shouldn't call him a gentleman, a gun-toting guy, you know, shot up a bunch of people. I don't envy right. someone in that position, um, you know, and I, I think, I think. Though we are fans and though we are mature enough to um, to understand the difference between our media and our, um, you know, and reality and, and, and understand the differences and and uh, and that kind of thing. There are just as many people who still get upset that the General Lee had a, you know, a Confederate flag on, on the hood of it right. or on the ceiling of it. So I think there, you know, it, it's it's. It's it's a it's a tricky position to be in, so I think it's one of those things that err on the side of caution as long as it doesn't cost you know as long as it doesn't break the bank to 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 rearrange or do that kind of thing. Yeah. That you know. Well, I appreciate your sensitivity in this regard, Paul. Eh, no problem. I think we're going to cancel next week's podcast um, <laughs> in light of the current events. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but uh, oh, so by the way, Spider Man played by Tom Holland. Tom Holland, that's the kid. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I thought he did. Um, I thought he did an admirable job. I, 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 I liked him. And again, I got to tell you, Marissa Tomei loved her in the in the role. Uh, loved the last scene with her in the movie. Um, and, and you know, yowza. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, perhaps Tom Holland could be one of the guests that Marvel brings to their upcoming convention. Um, you know, they, they, the, the, this isn't new news, but it's certainly something that's starting to come um, a bit more serious is that Marvel is seriously considering doing their own convention. Um, in recent years, we've seen folks that are basically like, you know what? Screw you, San Diego Comic-Con. Right. Well, it's um, too we, big. we get lost. Yeah. yeah, it's too big. I mean, it's too big for a, co- a company like Marvel. That's yeah. crazy. Well, and it also, I mean, it's not surprising what with, the advent of D23, right? The, am, I, am I getting that right? Is it D? Yes, D23. Yeah. Uh, with the advent of D23 and, you know, uh, Star Wars Celebration, it does not surprise me that you're going to see some of this stuff silo out. Um, and it just makes sense. I mean, Marvel is just too effing huge. And why would you tie yourself so closely to something exclusively like San Diego? Um, you know, when you're when you're splitting the attention so much, where you could just own the entire thing and you'd sell the damn thing out, I, it doesn't surprise me at all. I think it's a smart move on Marvel's part. I think so too. And you know, Disney has shown that with D twenty three, with Star Wars Celebration, you know, they team up with Reed Pop or whoever um, you know puts on these conventions, and they do fine. They do fine. And a, a, a Marvel centric convention, I got to tell you, I'd go. Yeah, I, no, I love absolutely. Star Wars Celebration. It's a pain in the ass. It's exhausting, but I come out of it, it re- genuinely in love with the event. It's not like you know. I mean, I may start it like grumpy and like, oh god, the lines, the lines. But then I come out of it, I'm like, God, that was so fun. Yeah. Um, so you know, a, a Marvel event, I, 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 I would absolutely go for that, especially if it included comic talent and movie talent. Well, and I, I think you would have to do that. I think you'd have to have the the breadth and scope of the Marvel brand. Uh, you couldn't just build it on the back of, of the MCU. I think you'd have to have, you know, your your television properties. You'd have to have your film properties. You'd have to have, you know, your your comics, your gaming. I mean, you'd have to have the whole schmear, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good idea. It's a good idea. You know, the problem is, is that it'll always be on one of the coasts. You know, it's not going to yeah. be, you know, it's it's not it's going to be in Florida, <clears throat> New York and or California. 
Well, and even then, 90 per, there is, I shouldn't say 90 because I'm guessing there, but there is a high likelihood that it would be in California um, just because yeah. uh, Marvel can, you know, they're, they're building Marvel properties out there at Disneyland and there is a convention center right across from Disneyland. Well, so and it, and you have easier, that. Uh, and it's easier to get your celebrities there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. It, well, and, and Marvel's moved to California now, right? They're no longer in. Didn't they? No, they're I still believe, in New York. It was DC that still moved to Hollywood, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. DC's yeah, in Burbank, but I think Marvel is still. I, I think Marvel. I, I think, think they're. they're I, think on Marvel both has, I think Marvel has two offices. I think they've got an office both in Hollywood as well as in uh, New York City. Yeah, that's so, my thinking. Yeah. So you know, um, Thor Ragnarok. A lot of stuff, a lot of Marvel-related news this week, and and uh, and and one of the one of the pieces of news is that Thor Ragnarok, you know, which is due out November second, has been released overseas, um, and on top of that, uh, the embargo has been lifted on reviews for the movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I genuinely try to avoid reviews because I don't want the stuff spoiled for me, which is really hard because people seem to forget um, and they'll, they'll post spoilers like in the title of the article. Right. Um, but uh, but the general consensus is that Thor Ragnarok is among or may be the best Marvel film to date. Well, that, that that's a high praise because there have been some really good Marvel films. There have. I, I, I got to say, I'm genuinely surprised. I thought it looked fun. Yeah. I didn't think it looked like the best Marvel film to date, but people are are. It's that is not a singular comment. I've I've seen that kind of as a trend amongst the comments. Well, that's great. I'm I I am super looking forward to this movie. It's you know it, it's inspired a great deal by one of my favorite books, Planet Hulk. Um, I love the designs for Hela in the film. I mean, whoever thought that you'd see Hela on screen? Uh. I, I, I am super excited about this. I am super excited about it. Oh, I am. And, and you know, and reading a book like Mighty Thor 700 just really gets me amped for some more Thor. Did I say Mighty Thor? I did say Mighty Thor. You did say you, did say, you said the Mighty Thor 700. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I did. Yeah. So Mighty Thor 700 came out this week, and I hesitated because it's a $6 book. But then you see the creative team, and you're like, yeah, this is worth 6 bucks. Um, you know, the, the, you've got Jason Aaron and Russell Dodderman, who are the, the the regular creative team on the book. But you've got a slew of guest stars, including Walt Simonson, Daniel Acuna, Becky Cloonan, Chris Burnham, Jill Thompson, Mike Del Mundo, Olivier Copiel, um, and 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 the start of the death of the mighty Thor. Just so much going on in this book. Um, Aaron, what did you think of the Mighty Thor number seven hundred? <clears throat> let me let me separate some things out here. Um, all of those creators, all those additional creators you mentioned, artists, right? And so the book is gorgeous. The pages are delightful. Um, I love all the different takes on Thor, the different incarnations of Thor. Um, what I did not care for is the manner in which the story is told because it's it's told. In a number of, of times and settings, and you know, all kind of you know pushing uh, into a singular event, but it doesn't feel it's, it feels like all we're doing is spent is using fifty two pages to set the table, as opposed to fifty two pages to advance the story, um, and that's what frustrated me about the book. I really did enjoy, the, particularly enjoy the pages with the current Thor. I'll call her Lady Thor just so that folks know who I'm talking about, but I know mm-hmm. that she doesn't care for that designation. In <laughs> she fact, does she, not. In fact, as she's fighting the character previously known as She-Hulk, now known as Hulk, 
Um, you know, she's, they used to call you She-Hulk, didn't, didn't they? That would make me mad too. I don't understand that. I'm sure that this is, this is a key gender, you know, insensitivity that I have, but I don't understand why the, why the, why the the phrase She-Hulk or name She-Hulk is uh, inappropriate other than I guess Hulk isn't a uh, gender specific term as I'm sure Lady Thor would suggest that Thor isn't a gender specific term uh, other than the fact that the Thor we always knew was male and the Hulk we always knew was male so maybe there does need to be some sort of distinction I don't know uh, <laughs> send your letters to uh, IOM Paul <laughs> yeah at IOM Paul on Twitter yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 again, I thought the, the book was just gorgeous. But, you know, something that really frustrated me, the very last issue of, of Thor that we read, the issue just previous to this one, had Volstagg losing the Ultimate Universe Mjolnir. Yeah. This is, and it's a big damn deal and he's sad and, you know, he's, he's still grieving about these kids that he lost fighting the, uh, the Dark Elves and Goblins and what all. And they give it right back to him in this issue. I, I did find that odd. Like, really? I mean, didn't yeah. we, we spent four issues basically taking it away from him. And then, yeah. like, the next issue, he's got it back. And don't get me wrong. I like Volstagg with the hammer. I want to see more War Thor. But then why like, take it away to begin exactly. with? Exactly. Don't don't send me through that thinking, okay, we've ended this, and then just hand it right back to him. I, that, that, I mean, that seemed silly to me in terms of storytelling. It seemed like I wasted some time reading some books. Yeah, agreed. But, uh, you know, again... It felt like events were too decompressed in this issue. Again, 52 pages of table setting before we get to the to the meat of the story in 701. Yeah, and I, here's the thing. I, 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 I really liked this book. I think it would have been better had the – it's funny. I actually – this is something I normally complain about, but I think it would have been better had the stories been separated. I agree. Um, a lot of these stories are not necessarily connected, so connecting them – just was a little bit confusing, especially with the different art teams. And at some point it was like a different artist, every page. And it's like, well, just take that 10 page story, stick it in the back. Yeah. Um, cause it, uh, but I, I did enjoy seeing frog Thor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Throg, frog, frog of thunder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and, and that he helps Thor, right? You know, she, uh, Thor is trapped under all of this rubble and, uh, is a because she hasn't touched Mjolnir in a little bit. She's about to change back into Jane Foster who, you know, to, you, you need to remember is, you know, suffering from stage four can- cancer and is in her last days. And, you know, if she, if she, you know, switches under all this, this rubble, she is dead. D E D dead. And, uh, so Throg, the frog of thunder comes down and lets her touch his hammer so that she can continue as, uh, as uh, Thor or lady Thor, as it were, as it were. Yeah. But I, 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 I am sorry to hear you didn't enjoy the book, but I, I, I am looking forward to, to seeing where the storyline goes. Jason Aaron's been talking about it on Twitter. Well, uh, I think, I, I mean, obviously I think what they're setting up here is the return of Odinson as the Thor. Did you enjoy the appearance of Balactus in this issue? I did. That was cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, they call him Black Galactus, but I think we all know he's Balactus, damn it. Balactus. Yeah. I, you know, this is really tying together all the various threads yeah. that have been set up over the Jason Aaron run. Um, you know, the 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 old Thor, you know, the when he has become Odin. Yeah, the Thor, uh, I did think it was the interesting. Thor is what I think they call him. Yeah, the all-father Thor. And then we've got um Thanos and yeah. Hela. You know, yeah. that th- that story was set up in, I believe, the Unworthy Thor. Yeah. 
Like there's there's quite a bit going on. It's almost like a, a mini Thor event. You, know, you see Loki with the Infinity Gauntlet as, as a uh, sign of things to come. I'm I'm excited about seeing where this arc goes. I think the one thing that I'm not excited about, honestly, out of everything, is Mangog. Yeah. It just feels like doomsday to me. Yeah. yeah. Like, this character comes up, and first of all, he killed Tooth Nasher, so that's kind of sad. But just remember, from mythology, Thor killed his goats every night and ate them, and they were back to life the next day. No, well, that's a good point. So, you know, hopefully that just means that Tooth Nasher will resurrect tomorrow. Yeah. But you've got Mangog in there, and he just—I don't know—he just kind of strikes me as doomsday. Are you—is Mangog a, a previous character, or is yes. this a new thing? No, he's like you know uh, early Thor stories. You know, he was always the big bad, like you know prior to issue two hundred kind of thing. Oh, okay. So yeah, okay. yeah, he 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 is a long time Thor character. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about some DC comics now, starting with last week's book, Detective Comics number nine sixty six. And the reason I wanted to talk about this, even though it's a week late is the mention of a specific character, Aaron. A specific character? Are, a you spe- talking, are you talking about a mention of a character that we have not seen in the New 52 and haven't seen in the pages of, of the old uh, uh, post-crisis universe in quite some time? It's been years, Paul. Years since we've seen him. Yes, I think it's been since uh, late, I don't know what issue, of Infinite Crisis that we have seen Connor Kent. And I deeply love me some Connor Kent. I, I he's one of my favorite characters. Oh yeah, I've always loved Connor Kent. I loved um, when Jeff Johns and Francis Manupol did that Superboy Boy of Steel arc. Um, yep. Yeah, that, that character. Uh, I, I I I thought he was stupid when he was introduced, but they have they found a way to make him endearing. Yeah. And then they and then they took him from me. And yep. now we're starting to see mentions of him come into the Rebirth um, universe in last week's Detective Comics number 966. Um, you know, we have the, the Robin from the Titans of Tomorrow, who was introduced during the Jeff Johns run on Teen Titans, um, you know, mentioned Connor Kent. And you see that our Tim Drake in the DC Rebirth universe is unfamiliar yeah, who? with Connor Kent. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fu- future Tim Drake tells current Tim Drake, hey, you know, whatever you got to do, make up with, with Connor. You know how important he is to, to you. And it, Tim's like, our Tim, what, who, what are you talking about? Yeah, I, it was a great moment. It was a great moment. And I do, I mean, I, I, there are two ways that they can go with that. One is that that's it. That's all we hear about Connor Kent. Or... Uh, we get to see more of him. You know, Tim digs at it until he figures out what the hell's happened, and and we reveal, you know, uh, the the differences in the universes, etc. I, I hope it means we find Connor. I hope it's not just we're going to mourn his loss. Here's the thing: I don't think they would do that to us. I, I, oh. I they, they, oh. I don't. I don't think this is a throwaway thing. I don't think they would bring up Connor Kent just to not do anything with it. I think we're going to see Connor Kent return. There is no Superboy. I mean, yes, there is. There's um, Jonathan Kent. But you know, you you every every hero now has that like youth, right. the teen and the adult, and we don't have that teen Superman. I think we're going to get Connor Kent back. I hope so because I, you know, I I deeply love that guy. I mean, oh, he, I do he's, too. He's just he's my Superboy. As much as I like Jonathan Kent, Connor is my Superboy. Oh yeah, and, and, and you know you could have that they could have that brotherly relationship between them like you do with Damian Wayne and Dick Grayson. Right. Um, I I would love to see that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I really do hope that when we get on the other side of Doomsday Clock, that uh, there, there is a Connor Kent back in my world. It, it you know, I, 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 I'm 
little spoiler, I looked at the November solicits because they came out the other day and they do reference Connor Kent in one of the titles. I don't remember which one. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to see we're gonna we're gonna start seeing Connor creep back in. Just don't Ooh. don't break my heart, DC. Ooh. Uh, you know, we can have our Superman family together again, just like we have our Bat family well, in the pages of Batman number 33. And it is a broad, extensive family. But, you know, it's nice to see that, you know, in, in the previous issue of Batman, we we get to see the answer to Batman's question. You know, he asked uh, Selena Kyle to marry him. She says yes. And instead of doing something that healthy families would do and, and letting all your boys know that they're about to have a new mom. Uh, you know, Batman and uh, Catwoman go riding off into the desert to do some some nefarious shit, and leave the boys home to uh, find out from Alfred. Um, and the moment where Alfred tells, which is him, some shenanigans, by the way, <laughs> I, the fact that Bruce Wayne was like, "I'm not going to tell anyone," and then Alfred's like, "Well, he didn't want me to tell you, but well, like he's been gone for a day, so I'm going to tell you." Well, I, I do I do find that uh, it is there is a a distinctive pattern of telling Alfred shit that he's not supposed to tell other people and he tells them anyway. Uh, we've seen we've seen many occurrences of that some on film. You know, hey Alfred, this is a big secret. Don't tell anybody. Hey, uh, you know, did you know that Bruce Wayne's Batman? <laughs> you know, Alfred isn't isn't the secret keeper that you would hope he would be. But there is general, this, he's pretty awful about it. I he mean, really is. He's pretty. He terrible. brought Vicky Bale to the Batcave. That's right. God damn it, Alfred. <laughs> yeah, he would be so fired. That's so fired. I mean, so why? Why does that guy even have a job? Like he he, right. he doesn't cook. You, you you never see anyone. You never see Bruce Wayne eat his food. Maybe because it sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking Alfred. Fuck you, Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, there is this wonderful scene where Alfred tells the boys. That, you know, Bruce and Selena are getting married and they're all dumbstruck, including Ace the Bat Dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just cracks me up. And then, you know, Damien is like, what the hell did you just say? Just, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. yeah and then he I, starts crying, which is sad. Yeah. Poor Damien. But he's not crying about that. He's crying because of the mission that Batman's on. Yeah. He knows why he's going there. Yeah. And we don't know that reason yet. Um, you know, we just know that he's going to see Talia for some reason. Talia Al Ghul, the uh mother of his uh of his biological son Damien, who, you know, <laughs> we see on the last page of the book waking up from the orgy she's just been involved in. And I mean, there are a lot of naked people in her bed. There yeah, a I lot of it. Yeah, and I mean that is a really large bed. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, I mean She's got to she's got to get over the pain of her ex getting engaged somehow. Right. So might as well have sex with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, wow. That's a lot of naked people. It really is. Yeah. 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 But uh, I, I, you know, I dug this book. I, I would I will say there is a lot of Batman going on in the new 52 and the rebirth new 52. Yeah. And it's all Batman's secret plans. And, you know, there's a little bit that's, that's, that they tag onto that. You know, Alfred's like, hey, I've got something to tell you. And, and, the, and all the Robins are like, well, let me guess. He's got a huge secret that he's decided not to tell anyone, and he's out there working on his secret plan. Um, and that, that felt like the writer saying, yeah, we understand Batman's up to some shit. Because, you know, you've got the crap going on in Metal. You've got the crap going on in Detective Comics. You've got the crap going on in Batman. There's a whole bunch of Bat crap going on. And they they all seem to be, you know, uh, 
nefarious things that that Batman probably should have brought some other people in on, but he didn't. And it Batman is, never. Yeah, Batman and everyone never, just expects it now. Like, what what kind of secret shit you got going on now? Yeah, I mean, you know, Batman never seems to learn from these mistakes, and uh, you know, they they always hurt him in the long run. Um, so well, I, you know, it, it does seem like at some point you go, you know what? Fuck you, Batman. I am not your friend anymore. Well, you know, I think Batman's secret power, superpower, is thick-headedness. Stubbornness? Stubbornness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. But all that said, enjoyed this book a great deal. Oh, I did. And it's gorgeous, too. The the uh, the art in this book. Oh, um, that Olivier Copiel variant cover? Oh, gorgeous. Jesus. It's gorgeous. That <laughs> yeah. guy, like... Uh, I, I, like I keep saying, he's only doing variant covers that I see so far. Yeah, because uh, he did some interior work on the Thor book, but right. if they can get him doing some interior work, uh, but the the interior work on this book, Batman Thirty Three by Joel Jones, who I just believe did work for the the Buffy series for Dark Horse. Yeah, um, great stuff, great yeah. stuff. I like his I, I like his uh, desert attire, Batman and Catwoman. Um, I, I I really I did great book. I, I do book. think it's interesting that Batman will uh, will not kill a human, but you know you can shoot the hell out of a horse. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know apparently you know he'll allow Catwoman to just whip somebody into submission, uh, who's just doing the job that, by the way, Batman put him in charge of. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, if I'm that guy, I would file a grievance. That would be me. I would, I would be, be like talking, um, be talking to HR. I I would I'd go to the press. Yeah. I'd be like, right. Batman hired me. And then had his girlfriend kick my ass. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, people like Bryce Wayne in the Dark Multiverse are are so much nicer than our Bruce <laughs> Wayne, right? Yeah, yeah. No? No? Yeah, okay, so... And Sylvester so, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. So, Batman the Drowned, uh, part of the Dark Knights uh, series uh, coming out of the, the metal... Uh, books, so it's a metal tie-in, Paul. Um, I uh, I had a lot of problems with this book. I had a lot of problems with this book. Oh, okay. Talk this to is me. The, this is the first one of these metal tie-ins that I profoundly disliked. Uh, the first thing I disliked about this book was the manner in which the story was told. Um, it, I was I spent a lot of time going, "What the hell? I don't understand." And then you kind of start putting it together, you know, uh, you don't have Bruce Wayne in this book. You have Bryce Wayne. Um, you know, it's the, 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 uh, uh, character is gender switched. So, uh, Batman is, is, you know, a lady, uh, we'll call her lady Batman because that seems to, people seem to like that designation. <laughs> uh, so she's Bryce instead of Bruce. Uh, she loves Sylvester instead of Selena. Um, and I had a pro I had a problem with both of those names. Bryce just seems too light and cheery to be, uh, Batman. I mean, I was just like, I don't know what name is, I don't know if Brenda Wayne <laughs> is the way to go, but, uh, Bryce just seemed, she seemed like a cheerleader, you know, in terms of the name and Sylvester. Oh my God. I hated that choice too. But let's move past the naming. The thing that really had me bothered about this book is that, uh, you know, uh, Lady Batman is fighting the uh, Atlanteans. And the Atlanteans are trying to, uh, are, are, are essentially drown Gotham. And so in order to fight the Atlanteans, Lady Batman performs genetic, genetic surgery on herself 
in order to become a water breather so that she can fight them on their own ground. And there is a panel, Paul, in which uh, she is doing some sort of self-surgery. And so there's all this machinery uh, doing its surgery stuff to her. But, Paul, it doesn't look like surgery uh, because, number one, she's just laying there naked <laughs> on the table and, you know, legs spread, stuff, you know, entering her mouth. This looks like rape to me. Um, and I, I think what really bothers me about this is that, you know, she is she is a Batman that is a woman, right? Yeah. And if you were depicting a similar scene with Bruce Wayne, the artist would never have sexualized that. They no. never would have, you know, showed, uh, you know, Bruce being anally raped in the process of this surgery. Whereas this is, I mean, if you didn't have the dialogue box saying, hey, I did this to myself, you would think, oh, my God, she's being raped. You know, you would think that this is some sort of tentacle porn almost. And the I, I was very disturbed by that, and it colored the rest of the book for me. Um, huh. I, thought, I thought this was a horrible panel. I, 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 I question not only the choice of the artist, but the choice of the editors to allow it in. It doesn't follow the narrative. There is no reason this panel needed to look the way it did. I felt like it objectified the character, and I just I really bothered me. Really bothered me. It still bothers me. I don't know if you can tell that or not. Yeah, I can tell. I, I really profoundly dislike this. This reminded me of John Byrne of his later work, where you know everybody gets raped in a John Byrne book. Um, you know, unless you're reading Star Trek, because fortunately he doesn't rape his Star Trek characters. But yeah, you know, if you if you read yeah yet if you read a, a Next Men book or any of his other books, you can count on some rapey rape action. And this is what I mean. This panel. The, the, the picture speaks much louder than the words. It looks like rape to me. Hmm. You know, it's funny. It didn't strike me that way. Um, you know, it, it did strike me as a disturbing panel. It didn't strike me as a rapey panel. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't necessarily have the same the same emotions toward the book that you did. I, I, I didn't love the book. I, you know, it's funny because people are you know, I've read a couple of reviews online that really loved this book. Um, I thought it was very dark and I, I, I'm not opposed to the dark. I just I, I had a little bit of um, I had a little bit of confusion between the the time frames that they were jumping back and forth between. Yes, they, yes I, I, I know they were putting the, the Earth number on top of it, but sometimes it just didn't seem to flow. Um, right. And I, here's the thing. I, 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 this is the second time I've complained about it, and I want people to understand I get it. I can read books that jump back and forth in time without much confusion when they're told correctly when the, you know they're they're told um yeah, what's the word i'm looking for when, you know in the story yeah. effectively yeah. um whereas i didn't feel like this was uh yeah. but you know in general I, I i thought the story was fine i thought the the origin was fine i i did i did think bryce and sylvester were just like ridiculous names but um other than that i thought the book was fine i i just that one panel I, if they had just number one put a surgical gown on her <laughs> right yeah and you know why does her why does her mouth need to be held open like that? I mean, why can't she be grimacing? I mean, I'm, I think about the way you would draw it if it was Bruce Wayne. And number one, he just wouldn't be laying there naked with his legs spread, right? Yeah. You know, and they've got her. I mean, they have her in a a a missionary position. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with For her legs, term, yeah. With her legs spread open, you would not have put Bruce Wayne there on all fours, ready to take it in the backside. No, I point. don't. I don't know why they did that. This is not how. When uh, you, ha- having had surgery, <laughs> uh, I, this is not how you're on the table. And I mean, and even if she is having to control the surgery at the same time, I don't know why. 
it would be, in, you know, because she's, she's performing self-surgery. She has programmed her machines to do this surgery. I don't know why it, it needs to be depicted in this manner. No, I hear you. I hear you. So anyway, well, I, dis- I disliked this book a great deal. I, I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you and I just wrapped up and posted episode uh, our, our fourth episode of Star Trek Discovery with Aaron and Polly. And uh, we, we actually contained episodes four and five of the show in that one episode because we were tardy. Yeah, you know. As we, one we, is. As one is. We got it out. We got it out. And it's, it's, right. it is a great episode. So if you're watching Star Trek Discovery, definitely go listen to that. Yeah, and, and it is right there on the site, iomgeek.com. If uh, you have a comment or question about either uh, comic books or Star Trek, give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable, ideology of madness surprise. Well, Aaron... Well, Paul, thank you for joining me on this old school funny books, Aaron and Polly style. Uh, uh. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 